like in their teens or something, start developing um, electric powers. And it starts like a sort of upheaval in like society and gender norms, etc. Electricity? Like, well, because now they have power. So it's like bioluminescence? Kind of like, she did like quite a bit of research, I guess, on electric eels and stuff. Mm. So So I wasn't far off with the fish thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, It's a quick read, in my opinion. And I think they're going to be developing it into a TV show. It's got some things that like, you can definitely see the influence of Margaret Atwood. If you've read any of her stuff or watched The Handmaid's Tale. I've seen a couple episodes of it. Um, It was really dark. Yeah, I mean, there are You haven't seen it? I haven't watched it. I've read the book like a long time ago and... Like I said, trying to, I don't know, watching lighter shit. <laughs> yeah. So. So the good place. Hannah, you're going to like it. It's going to be great. I think I'm, I'm like excited. It. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Game of Owns. It's time to talk about A Song of Ice and Fire. All bets are but off. the beauty about being the editor is like you get to do whatever <laughs> you get to be I want like, I don't know. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> the best thing about these in-person episodes is that I, it doesn't have to be edited at all. There's no like awkward Skype lag if, if you don't know something which is gonna happen a lot tonight for sure. me just so you guys know then you can just eh, brush it off your shoulder you're like i just didn't remember that thing but yeah. when you're online i feel like there's a lot of temptation to like well we could stop and figure that out but right, right. it throws off our flow this is a lot. more like just like hanging so if we forget stuff it's not that big of a deal I like yeah. recording in person, though. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us tonight. Wait, Never. is this for real? Yeah, we're going. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, okay, it is oh, for real. Like, talk show again. Talk, talk show again. <laughs> talk show. Wait, I take hey, back everything I said about not knowing everything. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Here's the real introduction. Everybody, we've never done a real introduction on the show, by the way. I don't think we've ever done the names and stuff at the top of it. Well, yeah, no, that's not really our vibe. My name is Zach. This is Hannah. And today we have... Eliana from Girls Gone Canon and Maester Monthly and Maester Monthly, a previous guest on the podcast, coming back. But tonight, this is the first episode we've recorded with you in person. I mean, how many episodes have you guys done in person? The last one was your first chapter. It was, yeah, yeah, person. that's actually yeah. true. That's true. So, really, way to come, way to come back at me with it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> you really are. I know we do a lot of like TV show episodes in person, but. Here we are. To everybody listening, there's a, a a full moon tonight, like a wolf moon, I hear. So this is going to be an interesting evening. <laughs> Gravity's pulling us in many directions. Did we turn off that heat? Yeah, we turned off the heat. the world's loudest apartment, by the way. I know. What can I say? We're talking about Cersei 10, and we're talking about Jamie 7 from our Feast with Dragons reading order. These are the last two chapters that we have in A Feast for Crows, except for the Samuel chapter that we put at the very end. This is like a lot of pressure because there's no more Feast for Crows. But it's also no pressure because, like we said <laughs> before we were starting, <laughs> we're just hanging. <laughs> so zero pressure at all, but also a lot of pressure. So like, okay, everybody. Did you guys like the chapters? I actually did. You actually liked them? Yeah. That's good. I find that the Jamie Cersei chapters, especially like together they're very fun. yes when you when you pair these two together specifically as well george wrote these and side by side he wrote these side by side which <laughs> happens sometimes in our reading order <laughs> but not every time we uh did the brienne chapter mm-hmm. in one episode instead of splitting it in pairs like we have we originally made the reading order to sort of complement how we were going to go through it on the podcast with pairs yeah and um 
it worked for a while, but when we got to that Brienne chapter, it was like we needed to just talk about. This. We spent an hour talking about yeah. the Brienne chapter. Yeah. So Can I ask a question? Sure. Like, what made you decide to do that single Brienne chapter as a single, and how has that thrown off the rest of your reading order? If it has at all, like. There were plans. Yeah, yeah, there were plans. Well, it's one of those things where I felt like we just had so much to say about that specific chapter. We were recording in person, mm-hmm. and we just talked for an hour about it. And it's like one of those things where yeah. then do we put out a two-hour episode and rush the next chapter, or do we just like let this one be a Brienne thing? And because we're so close to the end of Feast for Crows, I mm-hmm. feel like we can throw it off a little bit I mean, better than we could in the earlier episodes. So to be honest, there was no real rhyme or reason behind it it, it just kind of ended planned. up that way it kind of, we were like yeah. whenever i read it i know that i felt like it felt like the right thing to do and i told you that i was like hey do you want to read one last chapter and take one less group of notes and really focus on this one and she was like great idea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> giving it space to breathe i mean like i know that chloe and i definitely do that so yeah especially because we were like sansa's our girl we're gonna just like draw this out as so, long as possible i'm so yeah. jealous of the approach that you guys have taken with your podcast i know we've talked about on the on our show before but we should tell everyone that's listening that you guys are now how many episodes did you say into girls going canon i actually didn't because i yeah, told yeah, you yeah. that i don't know <laughs> right, how many episodes age it, we it are was, it was like 30 something it was yeah. right up there right up there with the, that's a good out. But the, it's all right. When you have your life together, right? You're yeah, say you're like, in your mid-30s. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? You crossed 50? Like, now we have to keep doing this forever? No, we crossed 50, um, you know, if we just keep up this pace, which means we do not take a break, we should reach our 50th episode when we reach our one-year anniversary, and therefore, this is it. That's so perfect. We're committed now. Well, unless we fuck it up. <laughs> likely. It is likely. I believe in you guys. <laughs> People get sick. Things happen. Things do happen. <laughs> I was just about to literally say That's what also thing. what happens in your th- you could have a I could have. We could have a midlife crisis. You get hit by a car. That's true, but maybe I'll get six hundred thousand dollars out That's of it. That's true. I wish I could get six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> you, you might. Here's my just question have... about what are you guys gonna do when the season's on? I don't know. Do you think, think you're gonna keep the same what do you think? The gl- the ice is just clinking. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We haven't actually talked about it. I assume we're just gonna keep doing whatever we're doing. But like, plus, like the show perspective is gonna would probably just lend an interesting like thread into what you guys are already doing. You, you know, thought about that? Maybe doing. I don't think anyone would be mad at you guys if you did it. I know. No, that we've thought about it at all. To be honest, we've literally never had the discussion at the moment. It's coming up fast. It is yeah, coming up fast. I guess I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do. We have floated the idea of doing um a read or a separate series of uh the if you give a mouse a cookie books. Whoa. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this is a very <laughs> different vibe. <laughs> different vibe, but I don't know actually That's what we're awesome. doing about the show. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> what you guys are doing on Girls Got Canon is I'm so jealous of you you're uh going through the song of ice and fire books but yeah point of view specifically how has that been so far you're about to start theon you said you started yeah. out with ned we started with ned then we did barristan then quentin Barry. then arianne then sansa and theon Jesus. it was actually really encouraging because someone like recently commented uh in one of our patreon comments where he said I see it. I can. I'm starting to see like the pattern and the logic yeah. behind the order that you That's put so together. That's so exciting. It's like yes. That's so <laughs> exciting. Really like uh, meticulously planned that out. Um, and yeah, we're starting Theon, so that's super exciting. He's such a fantastic character. Mm-hmm. We don't get him in this book mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. Feast, but yeah. So we're starting that. It's exciting. It's been fun doing it through a character reread, and I just 
I say this every time. I'm surprised that someone hasn't done a podcast about it before because yeah. everyone, a lot of people write their essays or do their analyses, right, by reading through a single character's POVs first. And a lot of people do their rereads that way anyway. I've never done it. I mean, you have, what, X amount of episodes until the end of this reread. Yeah. You could switch to a character reread oh, if you wanted to do another reread. That is an interesting Rereads idea. forever. Maybe turtles just, all the way down. Uh, it is turtles completely all the way to the end of all this you goddamn shit. You can also shit. reread that. <laughs> maybe, maybe like, because uh, we were talking, Hannah's thinking about doing the the audiobook game. She's never really stepped up. Oh. I mean, you can tell people. You don't, you don't. I don't listen to the audiobooks. That's my Or profession. like any, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big audiobook person. And so I'm just trying to think of different ways that I can, as we're gearing for Winds of Winter yeah. eventually, how can I know as much about A Song of Ice and Fire before we dive into <laughs> Winds of Winter like as possible? Like you're cooking breakfast and you've got Roy Dottrice like doing exactly. brain in I'm the like, background. <laughs> I'm like asleep. That's a good brain, like, right? Internally <laughs> getting well, through my mind. I don't, mind, know. I don't listen. You haven't listened to I it? I don't listen to the audiobooks. Oh. I'm the same as Hannah. So, yeah. I'm bad at focusing. Do you know the uh, the pyromancer from the show? The other Doris the guy who's the the, the guy who uh, gives the um, the wildfire to Tyrion. Cersei first meets him in the series, and then Tyrion oh, later goes down yeah, and yeah. says, "Let's work with H- me." Haley's palace or something like that. Oh yeah, what did they name him? Now I completely forgot. Whatever. Great. Yeah. I don't know what they named him. In He's the-, the narrator of the audiobooks. He passed oh. away, uh, I think, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I, yeah, I forget. I Roy Dottrice. Than, I think it was about a year ago, something like that. Yeah. But he was the. He I got. The- he was in the yes. show. Yes. How cool is that? Yeah. How cool is that? That's awesome. Good for him. That's yeah. a nice little nod. Everyone loves him. I think, from my understanding, I don't think there's like a love or hate. I think there's like a even if you don't agree. You're wrong. With uh, his pronunciations, they there's still like I don't know an endearing factor from what I hear. He says Brian. I mean, George says Dothraki, and that's wrong. Yeah, you're like, why do you do that? <laughs> yeah, so all the bets are off. I'm like, George, you're wrong. I know you wrote it, but you're wrong. Do you know if George calls it Aswaf or Aswaf? Because you're the you're mm. the one who planted Aswaf in my head, and I've been Settle trying to the age sp- old debate. Spread it around a little I bit. I got it from Michael Bookshelf Stud from Maester Monthly at Balticon. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I used to say Asoif, and then Asoif. Turns out Michael said Aswaf, and I was like, that's hilarious. That's yeah, because <laughs> I got to say ass. Yes, and it's so yes, goofy. yes, exactly. That's perfect. I'm excited that you guys are so deep into it. That's really cool. It's fun, yeah. And you guys are super deep into it too. You We're uh, yeah. this combined reading order. Like I said, we have one of Feast for Crows chapter left. And so sorry for all the preamble at the top of the episode, everyone, but. You know, we pressed record and this is what we're talking about. Um, Zach and I are drinking. Yeah, and... we're having a little bit of a... We don't know what it's called. I really want... I was inspired by you making... I'm sorry, I was. Oh, right. You made that drink at Ice and Fire Con. It was, uh, was Maester Eamon in a bucket or in the barrel. <laughs> yeah. And you put the Sour Patch Kid in it. I need to really try and make that fancier probably at some point. I want to set, do something with fire, but also I'm not the person. I think you can None of off. us when we're drunk are the person who should be fucking with fire. That's true. But we, we uh, have, like I said, we have that Samuel chapter left. But oh, yeah. for the rest of the um, reread, that screenshot that I gave you that had like the two, uh, I texted you that had like the two chapters at the top and then a bunch of orange t- chapter names. Oh, yeah. That's the A Feast for Dragons website. We're at the on the last column where it's basically a Dance with Dragons chapters chronologically because we incorporated yeah. stuff like the weather, which we see in the Jamie chapter that we're talking about today when snow starts to fall uh-huh. in River Run. And it's like, holy crap, if it's snowing in River Run, that means it's they might be seeing the same kind of precipitation in King's Landing. 
so from all the chapters moving forward, when we go through Dance of Dragons, it's going to be like what the weather will be sort of appropriate. Ideally, that's how we set it up. We'll find out as we go through uh, how we like like it. But this Jamie chapter like kind of like really made me feel the weather. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was sort of an off topic thing. But for the rest of the the, the reread are uh, specifically Dance of Dragons chapters and thinking about maybe just doing uh, one of those an episode instead of pairing those up. I don't know. It's an idea. Unless you get more in depth. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. The stone art chapter was fun that way. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be real. When is the Winds of Winter going to come out? You have time. Well, especially when we're talking about endgame type of stuff. I feel like earlier on in the series as a whole, when you pretty much know how these different scenarios are playing out, it's easier to couple them together. But as we're getting into true like endgame mm. theory, what's going to happen in Winds of Winter, what kind of repercussions are from these different character actions like we don't have the answers like we have had the luxury of having and so i think it just like lends itself Mm -hmm. to broader bigger discussions that we really i mean we've had but on much smaller scale as we've tried to stay confined within the chapter so i think it's going to be interesting it's kind of like the whole topic of the show at all is like a filter in itself there's like further filters with doing it in a reading order or like doing it in povs in a specific way and uh I didn't know that we were going to be able to be so patient with it because I just assumed at some point, like, I think even when we were starting the Storm of Swords chapter by chapter, I was like, but when's this going to come out in like three months? So we're going to have to put this on (laughs) pause and we're never going to get through, you know, the other the other published books. But, you know, we're now at this point in the uh, we're at the last Cersei chapter, which puts a puts a hat on what I've described throughout this process and what I was really excited about when I read it for the first time and um, what I was excited to talk about, like when we started the reread, when we got the first Cersei chapter in a feast for crows and I felt like the tone of what we were about to run into was going to happen. And then we get to uh, the tower of the hand exploding. And it's just the, the Gothic strange, like cruel, sad, troubled nature of her points of view in this book. And just how it's just like, it's just, it's so it's kind of like, a, a strange horror movie to me how it how it unfolds and then when she walks in that chamber just right outside that simple side chamber how george describes it like it's the meanest little room that they try to recreate for the show mm-hmm. if you remember the the one that the highest sparrow captured cersei in mm-hmm. when they trans they transition from that room to the to the the tall room where osney kettleblack is hanging our microphone's cut out so if this point doesn't connect to the last, I'm sorry. <laughs> that works, right? Yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, when he when they walk in the room and he's hanging from the ceiling, just uh, Roy, I remember I was talking about Roy Dutrice. That's it. He was uh, he was I was listening to it. I was driving cross country, and uh, I remember getting to that moment and it was just like, I think I had been really naive about the whole story. Up until that point, even though a lot of horrible things have happened, yeah, yeah, but I was just like, "Oh dear God!" Like it's getting real. This is happening yeah. to Cersei. Yeah, you yeah. know when it's happening to Cersei, it's like, understandably, the danger in King's Landing has turned up a level. I know that we saw the uh, all the bones scattered outside of the Great Sept of Baelor when she was arriving there and meeting the High Sparrow for the first time, and uh, when she went to the Sept this time, it was a whole different story. It was like uh, everyone was prepared for whatever this new regime is. Like uh, they like 
went from being sort of like rowdy and dangerous to being more so organized and like targeted. And like, we have a very good idea about how we're going to handle this stuff once we get who we want, I guess, in our clutches, or at least we get the power that we want from them. And it's a lot of faith to put into someone, some guy to send there to go confess to the high sparrow that's a lot of faith you put in Ozzy Kettleblack. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Of course he he talked. You of know, of course he talked. Yeah. Wow. Especially under all that. And for it to all happen so fast, for it to have been like at the beginning of the chapter, we find out that Marjorie has been taken in custody, and I'm getting that right, right? That's what happened. Yeah. Her all in her little yeah, her and all her little pals. Her and her cousins. It's all such a blur now at this point. And uh, within, what was it, like three days, the next day Cersei was captured. And then on the third day, Kyburn visits and is like, oh, the Tyrells are on their way. They don't have email and text messages and stuff. Like, this is all really serious. When they found out, they like left Storms in immediately. You mm -hmm. know, it was like, all right, what's going to happen? Like, Arian Waters has the fleet outside in the Blackwater because they wanted to do that show of strength to show everyone inside the, the capital that... They still rule the city, even though the sparrows are running amok, basically. Mm -hmm. They've already taken off, maybe to go help Fagon. It's a pretty crazy chapter. So that's my take on it. It was a crazy chapter. It was a crazy chapter. Yeah. It felt karmic, though. Yeah, there is something when she's going insane in the cell, when she gets, mm -hmm. or in the cell when she gets finally captured, where it's just like, whoa. Maybe you deserved all that. You're mad. You're you're nodding. You're like, you're happy about this too. You're like, I'm glad it happened to Cersei, not me. Well, it <laughs> never know. happened to you, Hannah. I know. Please pray. I just think it's neat because the chapter starts off with her in this, like the first sentence of the second paragraph. It says, Cersei sat beneath the Iron Throne clad in green silk and golden lace. And it's by the time we get to the end of the chapter, oh, she God. is yes. sitting in rags and um just like this whole idea of how she sees her status and like how she views herself and so much of that is tied to her glamour and her beauty and and all of that kind of stuff and so to really um call out those what she's wearing i think at the beginning and then near the end is just such a great way to tie the whole chapter and just really realize like the journey that we all go through with Cersei. Such a journey in a small place, too. Yeah. yeah. But, like, you can tell the story of this chapter just through the clothing that she's yeah. wearing. Because, yeah. like, as you said, she's wearing, like, green silk and golden lace. And she's, like, out here. She's with her power moves. She's like, I have all these emeralds on my fingers. Yeah. And she's like, I'm me. winning. I'm yeah. winning. Yeah. And, then when, and she thinks that that's the right move at that time. And we see a lot of other characters throughout the series do that as... Yeah, flaunting it, but then later on she's like, "Oh, but I gotta dress demurely for the High Sparrow." Mm -hmm. And then, as you said, so and they put great. her in like rough spun. They put her in the same thing that they put Marjorie in. Yeah, yeah. She tore it up at first, so she was oh naked for a while. Yeah, and just then and in shredded a blanket. It. Yeah, that's dark. I think that Sybil Westerling in the next chapter. Mm -hmm. I think she's wearing the same colors. I think she's wearing green and and gold as well. Oh, in the next yeah. chapter, I start to see. I might be wrong. I might be conflating the two, but. She's, uh, you know, enjoying the same sort of benefits from life that Cersei does as well. But she's not in the, you know, like they're in the yeah, pocket yeah, yeah. of the Lannisters at this point, right? Yeah. 
Sans is interestingly like I think wearing a very very similar dress hmm. to Cersei in Elaine two mm-hmm. or no sorry Sansa two Elaine one in a feast for crows. So I'm gonna just read aloud. What happens in Please. that one? Yeah, go, go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a chapter where the Lord's declarant come up oh, to God. the veil mm-hmm. and then Littlefinger's like, oh, by the way, what do you think happened? And Sansa's like, so yeah, Lynn Corbray's your paid man, right? And he's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> but when Cersei wears that more modest gown to go meet with the High Sparrow, the weight's described as in the end, she chose a soft woolen dress that covered her from throat to ankle with only a few small vines embroidered on the bodice and the sleeves and golden thread to soften the severity of its lines. Even better, brown would help conceal the dirt if she was made to kneel. And then for Sansa, uh, the language for the dress she chooses there's, but in the end, so we have in the end both times, she remembered that Elaine was after all a bastard and must not presume to dress above her station. The dress she picked was lambswool, dark brown, and simply cut with leaves and vines embroidered around the bodice, sleeves, and hem in golden thread. So it's like almost... Exactly the same. Yeah. That's a really interesting thing. Is that because the, the highborn fashion is sort of congruent amongst all of the minds, or do you think that that's more so that she spent time around Cersei, she like soaked in some of that flavor? I've been wondering about this. It could be the other way, like maybe when you're more highborn and you're richer, you can commission custom gowns, whereas perhaps this more modest gown is something that was made not like hugely en masse because they didn't have what huge cotton machines or whatever, but it it was made based on a template and many people... More than one person had one, is hmm. my guess. I don't know. How many people do you think were, because I'm thinking about Sansa now, in Winterfell making dresses other than, you know, the people that were instructing these these girls how to make them themselves? Like, do you think that there was, like, like a tradesman that was, like, selling dresses to people that lived in the town or people in, like, neighboring villages, like the Crossers I'm Village, sure. and they go inside Winterfell to buy dresses and stuff? I'm sure. I think, it, yeah, it was brought in through trade and stuff. I think they talked hmm. about it before, like, how... Cat had commissioned a silken dress for Sansa and had it shipped in. But like this is of course still in in the Erie, and the Erie and the Vale have what, they have Gulltown and White Harbor. They have some very big points of trade that are close to them. So And then you have to carry it all the way up that damn mountain. Oh my god, it's such a it's so it's such an effort. Just a quick sidebar, <laughs> so we're dumb. watching uh season six for Rewatch the Throne, and young Sweet Robin was they were down in uh, they were in Runestone, and he was doing the target practice. And oh, yeah. Jan Royce is there, and all these other grizzled men who are just really upset that that's their job that they have to like take care of this boy, like stand around him and guard him for no reason. They're like, anyway, this is not fun for us. Uh, Peter Baelish arrives and uh, he yells, "The protector of the Vale!" You know, almost ironically. And uh, what was my point? What were we talking about? I just got they were lost. have to go back up that mountain. Oh, thank you, thank you. He was like, should we – He Baelish like turns turns of phrases like uh, Jan Royce's accusation about Sansa getting married to Ramsay instead of going to the fingers, which all this again is off topic sort of. But <laughs> Sweet Robin goes, uh, should we throw him out of the moon door? And I was just like, you want to travel all the way back to okay. the gates of the up moon the and then go up the mountain? Is that really what we're doing here? But, you know. There's fast travel on the TV show, so yeah, maybe it's worth it just for that scene, just to throw them out the moon door. Well, that was the time, you know, when we 
cared about travel. Yeah, we don't care about that kind of thing anymore. We don't have time to travel. Do you think, if since we're on the topic, do you think we're going to have a lot of that, like, sort of wiggly around, sort of, like, oh time gosh. changing in, in, in the last season? That's going to be all of what season eight is. On one hand, yeah, we kind of have to. On the other hand, they got so much shit for it. And it seems like David and Dan have tried to respond to an extent to the criticisms that they receive when they get them with each season. But I don't know. Most people are also kind of starting to come around the same spots though so maybe we won't yeah. have as many places to jump between well, they're just but. like fuck it it's our last season who cares we can get senioritis exactly that's really maybe funny a little bit anyway back to this chapter the wasps so. were growing so loud that the queen could hardly hear oh herself God. think I do hope the little queen and her cousins enjoyed those rides of theirs. I laughed out loud at that line. <laughs> That's so negative. <laughs> so hilarious. Those miserable girls. I hope they enjoyed those rides that I coerced into being. Oh my God. I love the line when she thought about suddenly the Tyrell Rose does not smell so sweet. Oof. So good. Well, since we're calling out some Cersei moments, I'm going to go right to the beginning of the chapter when she was talking about Septimoel. This was This was a pretty deep cut. It says, first off, George describes Septimoel as a white-haired harridan, which I had to look up, and I'm going to look up right now for everyone, because I don't know if everyone knows what harridan means. It's like you read the word, and you're like, I get what you're saying, because that word looks like something that's not good. <laughs> uh, it's a strict, bossy, or belligerent old woman, colon, a it bullying like a treat. old harridan. And Cersei says, this is what she thinks of uh, Septimoel, who's just there to help her. <laughs> Isn't everybody... <laughs> This one, st- <laughs> this one still has her maiden head, I'll wager, Cersei thought, though by now it's hard and stiff as boiled leather. Oof. It's mean. Yeah, that's rough. Mean. That's dark. That's I rough mean. and dark and uh, leathery. But I mean, that's like the central conflict of the beginning of this chapter is whether or not Marjorie has one or not. Yeah, that's, yeah, it all kind of fits. Thanks, George, for reminding us about that. No one wants to ask the other questions about, like, why. Marjorie might have failed the inspection. It could be a number of things. And we're just not talking about that, right? It, I mean, if we want to get into like reproduction kind well, of I mean, stuff. you know. Let's do it. I mean, she's on trial for God's sake. Like, very reasonably not be intact for literally no reason. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. She's on trial, like basically. She's basically on trial at this point. She's she might she might be inspected by Grand Maester Pycelle. At least the idea was was yeah. given in this chapter it was like I think that you should do a full a full scan mm-hmm. like it wasn't a Cersei who was like Grandmaster Pycelle will do his own check yeah she yeah. probably thought she was doing him a solid or some oh gosh. weird shit <laughs> well I think the thing is is if Marjorie I think the moon tea thing is a thing that kind mm-hmm. of pushes everything over the edge because I feel like anybody could maybe argue for a maidenhead being intact or not for a million different things. Because I think there's some point where, like, Cersei talks about how you could be riding a horse and that can get rid of it. You know, there's, like, right. millions yeah. of different ways. Like, um, in, she says that, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I can't remember at what point. But I think it's the moon tea thing. And, however, I think we we'll, can kind of get into what that means. But that's the piece of evidence that then pushes it over the edge of, like, okay, well, if it's not there and she's also brewing moon tea, then obviously there's something bigger going on here because all the pieces add up. And so, but is the moon tea even for her? Well, that's I think yeah, that's, that's the big, big question. The big question is if it's for her, if she's asking for it for someone else, if someone is asking her to ask for it to like 
put her in this position. I don't know what you guys think. I but mean, I had to buy my friend some Plan B ones. Maybe this shouldn't go on the podcast. We've all I don't been know. there. <laughs> like, it wasn't for me. It was for yeah. my friend. And the guy gave me, like, a smirk. And I was like, fuck you, dude. He gave you a smirk? Yeah. That's so lame. So I was like, excuse me. Where were you? Like, it's like a well, CBS? Well, just because, yeah, because, like, my ID hadn't been, I think, I think my friend was afraid that her parents would see if it, like, showed up or mm. something under her name or whatever. Like on a credit so statement or a debit statement? Yeah. yeah, something like so, that. For so some I reason, you had her. to do it for your friend. <laughs> yes. Got Such it. a good friend. Got it. That's nice. I yeah. am a good friend. <laughs> I mean, it's you would go to the Grand Maester Pycelle and ask for moon tea on behalf of your friend. You've already proven it. I would. It. Yeah. Well, that's good. Maybe that's what Marjorie was doing. Well, that's what I'm... So, I, I mean... I just feel like Cersei is getting everything that she wants at the beginning of this chapter and is extremely thrilled and um, it says something about how this is everything is – this is everything she could have ever hoped for. The queen let it wash over her for a few heartbeats, savoring the sounds of the little queen's disgrace. I mean, what else could she ever need? And she's so, so disgraced. I think that Imagine. whether – I think that whether Cersei is like smart enough to kind of go the back channel way to get this moon tea planted or if – something else is going on i don't know but i don't know if it's marjorie i'm pretty convinced that it's not marjorie herself asking for it for her seems like such an obvious mistake she's proven at this point that she's such an adept player of the game and surviving in king's landing you know i mean you gotta look out for your girls i get it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) someone needed an t and i don't know that was necessarily her who among us do you think that they needed it or perhaps it was like a misdirection on behalf of marjorie Maybe directed by Olena. I mean, it, they're not above it. They killed, mm-hmm. or Olena killed Joffrey. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I. it could definitely be a misdirection. I don't know what, but, like, also I've... Just a... A lot of things go over my head. See what happens. Yeah. Oh, welcome to the club. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> exactly. It's not a pit. That's as far That's as I've figured out. Got it. Definitely not a ladder. I guess we're trying to find out what Perhaps it is. Perhaps it's a tea. It might be a mm-hmm. tea. It might be a freshly brewed moon tea, because it sure causing a lot of problems in this story right now. You got to feel for her, though. That's like the the nail in the coffin at the beginning of this chapter for Cersei. It's just like, yeah, well, why else would she be getting all that moon tea if not to, you know, take care of all of her misdeeds just with everyone? That's the thing. It's like over the top. It's like she's sleeping with everyone. Right. Like, and it doesn't – someone says, like, and it, she discriminated, like, she they didn't even care if, the, like, they're high-born or low-born or her, their wealth or whatever. It was like she was just sleeping with anyone. So it's like, dear God, people. Which I mean, like, on thick. if she wants to do that. Right, fine by me, but also at the same time, like that doesn't sound believable. Especially when I feel like for somebody like Cersei, who truly—I mean, we get—we're talking about it just a little while ago about our guy, our guy Osney. I mean, Cersei has her own little secrets that could so easily be come out into the open in a conversation like this. Seems like such a dangerous space to be playing in, and I guess like as a woman at that time, it's the easiest way to accuse somebody of something terrible is you can just like slap on this idea that they're sleeping around a lot and so they must be some awful person but i feel like cersei's not really one to talk very much here she doesn't have a lot of self-awareness she's like making fun of the idea of maggie the frog Cersei doesn't have self-awareness oh what What? (laughs) wait you're saying that i don't because i'm just saying that like the point well i guess it's bad for a queen right because the whole point is you need to be able to ascertain who the father is. For sure. For sure. Lineage. And- but it isn't necessarily, I think, bad for a low-board woman. Like, the idea of sexuality was different back then. They were like, yeah, 
I was reading, I don't know, something that a medievalist was saying. They were like, actually, sexuality for women was viewed differently back then. They were like, women aren't pure. They're like, they're insatiable. <laughs> really? What are we going to do about them? They just want sex. All of, it's so That's hard. actually interesting. That so. reminds me of that showism Dario quote where he's like, I was should have been born a Dothraki. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he sees yeah. them like fucking and biased Dothraki and he forgets everything. He's yeah. like, this is the way to be. It's all an uproar. So, I mean, I feel like the consensus that we've semi-reached here is that there's something else going on with the moon tea other than Marjorie needing it for herself. She's got this deal going on with Lady Merriweather where she's like talking about it's like everything's going according to plan and she's simultaneously inviting her uh, Lady Tana Merriweather's son to come be the king's best friend and it's like dude she's gonna leave right after this like yeah. you're putting Marjorie in like a, a, a she's the queen mm-hmm. and she might not make it out of this in some way like i don't know it's just like a, a really strange disconnect and we see that when we when like uh she's standing outside the tower of the hand and it's just exploding in a violent way and we're like dude this is extreme for one person to have orchestrated <laughs> there's a lot of us here and like you carry a lot of weight and power and that's cool and your personality is huge and we all kind of deal with it but we, but because we have to but you're blowing up the tower of the hand yeah, that's, she's very extra. She's so extra. I mean, that's that's a lot of wild shit, and she just doesn't understand when she's talking to her closest consort that, uh, which, by the way, who is she? You know, this is the last Cersei chapter in the who Feast for she? Crows, and it's like, all right, we're going to put a button on it. There's going to be no more Tyene and Merriweather, as far as I know. And who is she? Yeah. This is her best friend. Who is she? She sleeps <laughs> in the same bed as Cersei. I don't know who she is. <laughs> We need one of those drawings. We were finding those those spray drawings. We need an artist rendition of Taina Merriweather. If anyone's listening, I'd like to put that together, please. But I think even Cersei... Oh, sorry. You go ahead. ahead. I was just going to think even Cersei kind of has that question at some point in the chapter of, (laughs) wait, (laughs) who is my bestie? (laughs) And what is she... Who's to say what she won't tell if she comes to the point where she's being tortured or asked to kind of give up everything? So... Which, like, yeah, as you're saying, like, Cersei has no self-awareness. Like, she's all like, yeah, this is what happens to my enemies. And then she's like, oh, by the way, Tane and Merriweather, when are you going to bring your son to King's Landing yeah, to hang out with my son? And Kane is like, yeah. oh, hell no. I, I hope I never cross you. Oh, fuck no. Yeah, yeah. it's a crazy deal. You gotta, <laughs> it's you know those kinds of people that when you're talking to them, they don't really listen. They're like, oh, uh-huh. I used to live in uh, on the West Coast, and you go to a lot of parties. And people would kind of like look over your shoulder and just kind of be like looking around for like the next person to talk to. And it was like, oh, this is happening to me. Okay. <laughs> you know, like you don't, you're not offering them anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what the deal is with everyone that she's ever known. For Tana Merriweather? For, for Cersei. It was like, she, she doesn't like, it's just kind of like, okay, well, no more of her then. But she was yeah. so important. She was sleeping in the same bed as well, you. Well, she knows and I, everything. Knows everything. You know, yeah. that's like not somebody you can dismiss, so. And she was able to get away. Mm-hmm. That's something that's interesting to me. Like, yeah. did she sell Cersei out? That's something yeah. I Yeah, I haven't thought about that. Do you think she did? I don't know. <laughs> I, she might have just slipped through the cracks, though. <laughs> I just like Because no one knows who she is. Okay, All good. Right? I, like I just that. like generate ideas. That's like, good. for example, <laughs> um, Donza, okay? Donza. Dantos and Sansa, huh? no, no. Sansa and Daenerys. I mean, the discourse oh. needed saving last the, a few weeks ago. Everyone was so <laughs> mad about that teaser trailer. I was like, we yeah, need to change the ships up. So that's a good idea, actually. Shake up, shake up the boat a little bit. Yeah. I like Dansa. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people have been talking about. Yeah, just throw, just throw ideas out. <laughs> that's smart. 
It's like uh, you can be a wild card for everything. Oh, wild card is also George I just was thinking about George. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast yet, but um, you remember the uh, Fire and Blood event? Mm-hmm. You were there. We had a good time. You were there. You were with me. Um, you. Yeah, it was, it, it was, was a good a time. I was very drunk. I was going <laughs> over the next You day. had the uh, Johnny White Walker yeah, drink. garbage. <laughs> sorry, sorry, everyone. You I guys need like an ebook it. of all of your con, like, con That's drinks. what this is. This with, oh, 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 like, uh, like a PDF guide yeah, that of people. Like, yeah, of like, these are all the cool drinks that we've made at parties. This, is, this was not a cool drink. I didn't no. make it. It was literally poured from the bottle. Yeah, she poured mm. like a glass full of it wasn't that much. <laughs> you were definitely exaggerating. I didn't have enough to pour you a glass. I full. guess you're right. Well, it depends on how big a glass is. It's like I don't know, something like that. But I was either way, trying to be a good hostess. <laughs> I, you know, I had to match it tonight. I was like, there's a lot of pressure. Like she brought around this really like sought after, uh, exclusive drink. You know, it's really crazy how how far everything has gone. When when this all started, it was like the whisper of uh hbo booking uh, a brewery in the country to make a, a craft beer that was titled after a game of thrones thing oh. i was like oh my god we got the brewmaster phil Linehart on the podcast to oh, talk wow. about it years ago we're like okay. please tell us about this beer i was so geeked out of it. i was like yeah. this is a tv show that i like this is yeah. a book that i like yeah why are you making beer for it and he was like <laughs> well they paid us and we have these ideas and i was like oh great cool but now there's just – I saw a map, and I sent it to one of my friends, uh, my buddy Phil, who started Winter is Coming, Winterfill. Mm-hmm. I just sent him a, a picture of a map of all the different, like, bottles that you bought that you found. Oh, yeah. And they're just, like, scattered across the map. Just, here's all of this Game of Thrones merchandise. Do you guys want it? Well, here it is. How many of those do you have? <laughs> all of them? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like a marathon by the fourth drink i was like oh shit i have to drink more of one yeah <laughs> you decided to do them all in one. that's actually part of the reason why i was going to say you guys should come over i just didn't think my partner was up for that tonight um well, because he's recovering some other time yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 you're gonna have them for a like, while because they cost like a million dollars right mm, no not really you got them on sale so i think that's what you said i got them time. on black let's Friday. hear the discount the virginia alcohol stores are all sold through the abc stores there's like a state sanctioned like store that you get them all through and i got like a bunch of them all at once on the same day on black i got most of them on black friday when places had discounts so yes i got them discounted because i'm all about the deals you gotta get the (laughs) The deals deals. yeah i think my like weird roundabout point was when he was talking about night flyers during that that thing. I haven't watched it yet. Have you? No, I haven't. But or remember, read it. Remember when he was talking about it and he was like, "Yeah, I guess yeah, they, yeah, yeah. guess they made a series out of it." He was like, "I got a, I got. I think it was either an email from some from them directly, or it probably went through his management. I can't remember exactly. He didn't like tell us explicitly what yeah, the, right. the chain was, but he was like, I got told that something I wrote a long time ago is being optioned to a series or is going to be a series on sci-fi. And he's like, because I signed something back in the 80s. He forgot that. Yeah. And that's a good reminder to anyone. A lot of people have been inspired to start their own things after the series. Do your paperwork, people. Yes. I believe in you. Your shit's going to want to be po- like picked up. But do your paperwork. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? No, let them chapter? shout until they're hoarse. It will not sway the sparrow. He only listens to the gods. There was a certain irony in his high holiness, having an angry mob encamped upon his doorstep. Should I read it like Dan Carlin? 
Yes. Since just a mob had raised him <laughs> <laughs> to the crystal crown, which he promptly sold. The faith has its own knights now. Let them defend the sept. Oh, and close the city gates as well. No one's to enter or leave King's Landing without my leave until all of this is done and settled. As you command, your grace. This was before, obviously, all of this went down. She just created like her own perfect hell and locked herself in that in that cell, basically. That was so dumb. Jesus. <laughs> it's so wild that you don't see the pieces fall. And I know that we kind of have that hindsight view into mm-hmm. this whole thing. And it's so easy for us to say, well, you should have an X, Y, Z, and I'll come to the end of it. But I feel like even still... As all of these decisions that were being made to change the laws and open things up so that they could even arm themselves, period, everybody else around her thought it was the stupidest thing they'd ever heard. And now here we are, like, in real genuine danger of getting swallowed up by everything that's going on with the High Sparrow. And we were talking about this with um, on a rewatch about things that things that scare me in a song by <laughs> like things in Game of Thrones that are like scary and threatening. It's like, I'm, you can't truly be afraid of someone like Ramsey Bolton when you have the high sparrow also playing in the same space, who's mm-hmm. like wielding real power and like has the masses on his side and has armies of devout militant people. I just like, don't understand how anybody ever thought any of that was a good idea. Oof. Yeah. That's the fallacy of this, of this book for Cersei, right? The giving those powers that, was so long ago forbidden and now we're seeing it's just all about the maggie the frog prophecy right and and, and, you know the focus was on sansa at some point Mm -hmm. and then the focus was on well i don't think it's sansa i think it's marjorie who's here to supplant me or or whatever it was supposed to be yeah what's the deal with that like do you think that it's mostly about her paranoia with what she was told by that seer or do you think that she's just trying to be Tywin's daughter because he's dead and she I mean it's obviously some kind of combination but what do you think the like the governing thing for her is like she just has so much pride she doesn't want to be under anyone's foot or is it that she's just so bent on changing what might be her future like she just maybe she doesn't want Tywin to die that badly so she thinks she can change it yeah like you said it's a combination of all of it it's like what Cersei wants is power. Power just in its ultimate form. And she saw Tywin as having power. She she saw Tywin as being able to do anything because people feared him. And fear is, of course, a type of power. But as we see through the Northern storyline, honor and duty and, like, the faith one has in a leader is another kind of power. And Cersei hasn't learned that. And so she tries to inspire fear. She thinks that she's this great politician, even though she hasn't really learned anything. She, as Hannah said, rearms the faith, but she hasn't quite studied. She doesn't have that the whole history. knowledge of power. Yeah. Why they knowledge took it away. Knowledge is power thing. Yeah, she doesn't understand um, all the things that we now know because we have fire and blood of the difficulties Magor and Jaehaerys had. And shit, Magor had fucking dragons. Jaehaerys had dragons and they had difficulty. So, yeah. They had the raw power that Cersei craves. And that's why it's so important to her to have Tommen. It's not just that. It, she wants power to change fate. Mm-hmm. But in fixating on all of that, rather, that's what makes it sort of like this ironic tragedy, almost like this this Grecian tragedy, right? The more she fixates on that prophecy, the way that 
um, Oedipus, like, tried to avoid his fate of sleeping with his mother, the more he, he just spiraled himself, he, he propelled himself into ending up, like, killing his father and sleeping with his mother. That's how it works yeah. in Cersei's story. The more she tries to avoid it, the more she digs herself into that hole. Yeah, yeah. So her heels what do you do then? If not to avoid it, like what what would like have been, do you think, the right thing for her to do at some point along this process? Like even from the beginning of A Feast for Crows, like let's say after Tywin was murdered. Well, we talk about how she doesn't even know. We don't know who she's surrounding herself with because she doesn't really have anybody that she can truly. Except Jamie, and he's gone. That's why she writes the letter to him. Well, right? except Jamie, which we get to at the end of the Jamie chapter, we could talk about. Jamie is not only like gone physically, but he just is gone seemingly mentally as well from like being mm-hmm. anybody who's going to give her any sort of real love and support. And that was the last person in her life that was really, truly able to like not necessarily reason with her, but come with her on a level that she would like listen to and respect. And so I think that that's her major downfall is that she doesn't surround herself with people who are actually going to give her real insight into what's happening. If she doesn't want to be the kind of person to like read up on history, then she's got to get somebody by her side who she's not going to make fun of all the time and like dismiss constantly to keep her abreast. Like she has, she has this mentality of it's me against the world. And Mm -hmm. that's just like not, you look at any other great leader and that's the opposite of what they have. I mean, they've all got a pretty solid squad around them, teaching them and, What's the word I'm thinking of? Like counseling? Counseling them and mm-hmm. Like a small council should do? Yeah, you know what I mean? Instead of just being a puppet race for or all yes your weird people, ideas, or like, ideas. Yeah, or somebody to like yeah. boost your ego or something. And so it's an interesting kind of glimpse into like power and what it actually means and all that kind of thing. God, how fun must it have been for George R. R. Martin to, to make it to a Feast for Crows and just to be able to like put a bunch of randos in King's Landing doing random shit? Yeah. Like right now – Per the end of this chapter, Her- and we learned this from Kyburn on the third day that he visits, Harris Swift is mm-hmm. Hannah King. Which, and- like, okay. Yeah, f- okay, fine, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Grandmaster P- Picel is also doing his – they're ruling the the realm, essentially, together. And it makes me think about what you said about Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey's uh, – his 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 window his world his his orbit whatever is much smaller right but he can still like directly affect the lives of those around him he can torture them he can do he can make them go outside of the gates in the cold fend for themselves he can straight up kill them if he wants to like basically all the same stuff that cersei can do to people there but the the figurative nature behind it like Ramsey has to – he says, I'm the warden of the north, and that's based on the governance of King's Landing existing and giving him, giving him that power. So it's like they're all like I guess technically wielding immediately the same level of danger based on like what they're willing to do to the people around them. But like Cersei doesn't have, again, the self-awareness to understand that it's happening. Like it's just not a – like she's – they're at the capital, you know, like all of this is pretty important stuff. And when you start filling the small council with people that don't have the same amount of investment in it, like they sort of historically have throughout the books that we've seen, we've seen like the same people through throughout a lot of this, the the end of Robert's regime and then like with Joffrey taking over, sort of like the same cast of characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Tyrells kind of came in and, and 
and maybe a moment of weakness, but they were always there. They're always the family that that governed the reach. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they were very important. But uh, we've got like Ariane Waters is is uh, making really big decisions based off of fear with a fleet full of Drummonds with power that may go in a direction that will probably go in a direction to fuel the enemies. It's like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff Ramsey can't do based off a mistake. Like he's either going to win or lose. He doesn't have the same amount of power, even though he can hurt people and kill people. It's like his reverberations are a lot smaller. And it's really dangerous to have someone like Cersei in that position. And I think that's why Kevin Lannister, obviously, like I'm saying obvious stuff to all of you listening, but I think that's why Kevin Lannister pieced the fuck out. And I think it's so interesting that the second all of this went down, they were like, oh my God, we got to get daddy back in the room. Like, let's write, can you come back and just assume regency, please? Will you take care of this for us? Because we don't want to be held responsible for all this falling action. And the Iron Bank coming to collect its due. Yeah. Not a lot of planning ahead, huh? Well, Ramsey's... He's a bully, and Cersei also is a bully, but she's ambitious. Yeah, yeah. And he also just wants to torture people. Like, he's not trying to... Yeah, the next thrill that's right in front of him. He's he's someone who wants that immediacy as opposed to... Cersei's looking for, like, long-term... Yeah. Yeah. Forever grasp. She's bad at the long-term planning because, like, the reason Harris Swift and Pycelle are able to do this miniature coup is because Cersei this whole time has been training Tommen to be like, yeah, just stamp the thing. You love yeah. stamping yeah. things, mm-hmm. right? That's such a good catch, yeah. yeah. And because yeah. that he's just like, yeah, I, Tommen's like, yeah, I fucking love stamping things. <laughs> yes. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. Me and Harris my cats and Pycelle like are away. able to take advantage of that. Yeah. Wow, that's such a simple oversight. It's exciting because I feel like this is just the same conversation we've been having mm-hmm. for months and months and months as you've been yeah. reading through the chapter because it's the same conversation that happens in literally every Cersei chapter in A Feast for Crows. And then we get to this chapter and there's a point where she feels fear for real, like a shiver mm-hmm. running down her spine. How often has she felt that way? Or at the point where she literally turns and runs. Like, yeah. Oh, God, that is- was crazy. Yeah. We Crazy. finally see all yeah. the pe- like the domino is like finally all fallen to this wow. desperate letter that she sends Such Jamie. Setup. And Please go on. <laughs> no, I mean I don't really have anything else interesting or smart to say other than it's exciting to see her finally sort of see the consequences of her actions that have just been building and building and building and like this having the same what the heck is she doing? Why isn't she smarter? Why doesn't she have better people around her? Why isn't she looking at the consequences? And now she's actually starting to feel that fear that we were hoping she would feel chapters and chapters ago. Hey, I want to say that we learn when Cersei turns and runs that Cersei can throw down. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> what happened? She just can apparently, she's kind of decent at like We can read fighting. it. Yeah, please. Yeah, please read Cersei's escape, escape passage. I was like, oh shit. All right. I just remember like it says she it says Cersei whirled and oh, ran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The high septon tried to seize her, but he was some old sparrow and she was a lioness of the rock. She pushed him aside and burst through the door, slamming it behind her with a clang. The kettle blacks. I need the kettle blacks. I will send oh, an osprey with the gold cloaks. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's so good, though. She, like, it's the four, face. Yeah, the four old septas blocked her way and clutched her with their wrinkled hands. She knocked one on the floor and clawed another one across the, fl- the face and gained the steps. 
Then halfway up, she remembers Tian and Merriweather. Oh, she ran as far as a step, but no Jesus. further. Yeah, I mean, she. It's the it's her whirling that really yeah. caught my eye, and just because that's a very intense turn of phrase, literally turn of phrase. True. But for um, Cersei, she's never whirled in the series so far. You no, know? she's always pretty poised and like cool and collected on the outside. You know what I mean? I know that her head's going a million miles an hour, <laughs> but she's she's not running anywhere Dude, <laughs> ever. So George R. R. Martin is a fantastic writer. It's just it just Jesus. it continues to feed into that acceleration that we've just been feeling and then to literally have her sprinting near the end of the chapter. This paragraph is just like it's 611 ebook pages into <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> a feast for crows which is and that's three books in. This is like the Cersei paragraph among paragraphs that he waited to write like I'm, there's several more of these but it's like sure of her escaping and, and going through all of the things like all the weaknesses that she's created like kettle blacks tiny merryweather it's just like dude it's so real mm-hmm. grasping it's like it's like how brianne was feeling when she knew she was about to die it was like all the truths mm-hmm. that were coming to her head all those last thoughts that's what this is mm-hmm but it's not for death. It's for like for her, like ego annihilation. It's on its way. She's not going to be able to be Cersei the lioness after they capture right. her and take her clothes. Well, and then we Jesus. Get, then we get to the end of the chapter, and I think many things happen that we could go into. But I think the most important conversation that we need to have that ties into the next chapter is just the letter that she sends. That mm. is pretty raw and emotional and i love you three times <laughs> in it yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's the way to get your point across kyber right? is like uh, kyber who is not <laughs> technically privy so this yeah. is like uh, you want to say i love you three times like, <laughs> he's like are the are the rumors true yeah also i want to throw out one last thing sorry before we like continue with this yeah this cersei chapter is cersei's version of ned nine where ned uh, is like yeah i got it we have yeah. it. We have our paper show. We have Robert's will, and oh. then everything turns and he's very like, quickly. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. That's anyway. such a nightmare. But also, I need to like, reread really? that. You want to do this? You want to say three, three times? times? Why not a fourth? No. But you know, she says he'll come. I know he will. He must. Jamie is my only hope. Which then only adds to the drama of him tossing it into the fire, and it's like the final straw for Cersei in a feast for crows. So. It's a Star Wars quote. It really be like that sometimes. It's Leia, it's Leia appealing to Obi Wan Kenobi. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Exactly. Lean. Put in the disc. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine, <laughs> Put in the floppy like, disc. <laughs> imagine Obi Wan Kenobi would suddenly be like, "Fuck this!" Right? He's like, "I don't want to deal with this." That would be that'd be crazy. I actually just saw uh, Rogue One and saw like the Ooh. the moments before that. So neat. Had you not seen it before? I didn't. I wanted to see it in theaters really? and I missed it. And so I kept putting it off. Interesting. We just watched uh we just watched Solo and my partner was How like, was that? Well, my favorite part is when my partner goes like, Who's that girl? Where do we know her from? And I turned to him and I'm like, Daenerys Targaryen. <laughs> He's like, Oh my god, shut up. <laughs> He's like, I know you're super pleased about this, but Well, just invited you to say the right so, stuff immediately. It was so funny. <laughs> That's cool. Um, That's cool. That's cool. So how was she in that sidebar? I think she was actually good. I'm I thought she was a pretty good actress in terms of um the role she gave her. I don't know where she's going. There's some continuity issues 
my opinion. With um, that film? People say some negative stuff about that. It's all right. It's like an okay film. It's fine. Um, it's not great. I think they also had a lot of production issues from what I remember because I remember seeing that they were like, yeah, we switched out this director. Oh, wait, we switched out the director again. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. So they had a lot of issues, but it's okay. Sorry, off topic again. I mean, yeah, but you know, it's all the, it's all some hanging. kind of artistic yeah, rendition of stuff. I mean, not everyone could be as good as George R. R. Martin. Not everyone can like give us that slow drip like he does. Like, good lord, to do that, and it's and it's also just to remind everyone when you have the universe in front of you, then it's all it all like is a bit more shallow than what it is like imagine we were doing this podcast or this conversation like you're having the same one with your friends and maybe some of you did have this a lot of you probably did uh when there was no a dance with dragons and like this was the last book and so in a another chapter after the jamie chapter and then after the samuel chapter i believe that's the last one yeah that's mm -hmm. it so it's like that is a cliffhanger like jamie throwing that letter in the fire it's huge yeah. It's huge. These are these are huge moments. Like that's a big that's a big thing for Jamie, and that's a big thing for Cersei. Like it's huge. It's 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 massive. He's her last hope. I'm gonna read the uh, opening paragraph from the Jamie chapter. You guys cool with that? Please. Yeah. The new Lord of Riverrun was so angry that he was shaking. We have been deceived, he said. <laughs> this man has played us false. Pink spittle flew from his lips <laughs> as he jabbed a finger at Edmure Tolle. I will have his head off. I rule River, River Run by the king's own decree. I, Emin, said his wife. This is paragraph two. I'm just going to keep going. The Lord Commander knows about the king's decree. Sir Edmure knows about the king's decree. The stable boys know about the king's decree. <laughs> I am the Lord and I will have his head. Anyway, Emin Frey. There's Comical, a drawing yeah. of him online if you guys want to Google it. It's yeah. fantastic. Eliana found it for <laughs> it us. No, 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 that was Edwin. Funny. That was Edmund. Was it? Mm. Was it? Okay, well, you can pretend that it was Emin Frey. I, I'm sure there's a drawing of Emin Frey. Oh, there is. There he's is. Probably, yeah, he's way more important than us. But he looks like a guy. This is the one I looked up. Spittle. Hold on. Emin Frey. There we go. He looks like evil Kith from uh, Futurama. <laughs> Do you think that this was made by who the same decides? guy who drew oh, Futurama? Exactly. He, did a, he did a bunch of them. He's who decides? The Ryman. I don't know. We can ask Nathanian. Like, who decides what he looks like? Because oh. there's no description of him other than his speech. Is there not? Spittle. We tried I mean, to... I'm sure there is somewhere, but... <laughs> I tried to find the... Uh, I'll ask. The, yeah. the, uh, the rights or the... What's the word I'm looking for? artists yeah like uh and i clicked on the picture and there was like a bunch of updates to the thing if you are listening to this and you made or if you know the person who made this artist rendition of Emin frey or edwin frey for that matter they're both equally beautiful but he did a lot Please of them I've, I've seen it before as deviantart but i just his name escapes me and i'm too lazy to google it well didn't you say that did you just say that he did like all the phrase no, he didn't do all the phrase he just did like a bunch of pictures not just those he's done ones of a bunch of other characters like he's definitely done a strong bell loss because i know everything about strong bell loss there is no um Stwog. <laughs> emin is a small man thin and nervous and mostly bald the sullen emin has a prominent apple in his throat and he's got a prominent chip on his shoulder at the beginning of this chapter. Yeah. Slash all the Jamie chapters outside of River Run, but this one's probably the most gratuitous. George is like, "Hey, it's Jamie's last chapter. I'm going to lay everything on a little bit thick." His wife really doesn't like him. No one really likes him, and he's going to hold River Run all for a few weeks slash a few months because right. the snow is already falling and they don't have that much provisions. And I don't think he really knows about what to do. What do you guys think? God bless Gemma Frey. Yeah, yeah. Right. Gemma Lannister. 
my one note here apparently in the very beginning is just Evan Frey sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he kind of does. What I, wrote. I feel bad for Jamie just having to deal with everything that's just like the first two pages is just filled with so much drama that he has to deal with from Emmons little tantrum to everything that's going on with Brendan being escaped through the river and Edmure, you know, out here doing his thing, being so pleased with himself. I'm not here for Edmure being pleased with himself. (laughs) Yeah? I'm here to defend my son, Edmure Tully. (laughs) Oh, really? Welcome to my TED Talk. (laughs) Hi, I'm Edmure Tully. We finally made it here. (laughs) I'm Anissa Went, and I gave birth to Edmure Tully. Wait, so please tell us about. So, Edmure basically lets Brendan go. Yeah. And helps him escape. It's amazing. It's classic Edmure Tully shit, though. Like,. Fish so, swim, even black ones. Exactly. And I mean, like, he's so pleased with himself. And oh, I'm God. glad that he is. It, it kind of sucks when he saw us being pleased with himself. I think he should have been cheeky the entire time. That's just my feeling. Um, that threat, though, that Jamie gave him about the uh, yeah. word that no one knows how to pronounce unless they're from the place that they made it. It's a uh, ubie, isn't it? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Ubie. Can I see this yeah. word? What her? Ooh. Ooh, much better. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I just feel like this is classic Edmure Tully because I'm just going to read it aloud. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Read so as much as you like. This is wow, a TED Talk after all. Yeah, this, yeah, this is your <laughs> TED Talk. I'm an everyone. This is our, <laughs> we're hanging out. Hey, man. Fish swim, all right? It's just, these are simple facts, okay? We all know what happens when fish swim. They keep swimming. Yeah. That's what Dory says. Exactly. <laughs> She's the best. She's um, pretty cool, yeah. But yeah, so Enyer kind of finds a sort of loophole in terms of handing over Brendan Blackfish because like Emmons going wild. He's just like, We're gonna we're gonna punish Edmure Tully. Edmure Tully's like, for what crime? Thin as he was, Edmure still looked more lordly than Emmon Frey. <laughs> yeah. He wore a quilted doublet of red wool with a leaping trout embroidered on its chest. His boots were black, his breeches blue, his auburn hair had been washed and barbered, his red beard neatly trimmed. Like, where is he getting this barber? Sorry, yeah. while in prison, <laughs> just asking questions. I did all that was asked of me. <laughs> Oh, Jamie Lannister had not slept since Riverrun had opened so its gates and his head was pounding. <laughs> I do not recall asking you to let Sarah Brinton escape. Jesus. And Edmure goes, you required me to surrender my castle, not my uncle. Am I to blame if your men let him slip through their siege lines? And what I love about it is, like like I said, it's classic Edmure Tully. In a storm of swords, he's given directions from rob and brendan of hold oh, yeah. river run yeah. yeah and he's not given any more and the way that and interprets it like i love that he's like my people they were afraid he goes out there and he defends his lands mm-hmm. and maybe rob and brendan were like that's not what we wanted you to do to do because we wanted tywin lannister to head west so that he would not be able to return to king's landing and that would have divided the forces and weakened them mm-hmm. but Edmure cared about the people who were his vassals and he was acting as a lord and trying to protect them Mm. and it wasn't the letter what was in the letter of the law but he went above and beyond that and that's what i think happens here in terms of what he's doing by letting brendan escape he's like i wasn't told not to let brendan blackfish escape and in doing so he's doing something that helps his cause that is righteous by letting his uncle go past and he's like 
that's not quite right. And sure, as you said, Jamie comes back and he's like, all right, well, we'll put your wife with your unborn son next to you. And then Edmure, as you see, demurs after that. He's like, all right, well, this is what happened. He's like, I don't know. He, he doesn't feel any guilt, I think, necessarily revealing that information because Brendan's long gone. But yeah. That's the Tully house words, right? Family, duty, honor. And Rosalind Frey and his unborn child are his family now. And when that threat is put forth, Edmure is living up to that. That's how I feel Word. about Edmure Tully. Word. Well, and I think that's interesting because where is it pretty quickly after they're having this conversation? Oh my gosh, it just signed me out of Kindle Cloud Reader. Anyway, he's talking about how, yeah, well, Jamie didn't really check until the next morning anyway. Like in, yeah. the, in the amidst the chaos that's of real. this. That's real handover and everything that's going on he's like a moonless night board guards and a black fish in a black river floating quietly downstream dot 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 in the confusion of the castle changing hands it had been the next morning before jamie had even been informed that the black fish was not amongst the prisoners so it's also i guess maybe it is a little bit on jamie it's totally, like oh, their totally. most prized possession yeah. to like not even be checked on until the next day what, what you what you just said about him and this is his family like yeah of course that's what he was gonna do and he like put himself at risk because it's not like the Kingslayer and all of the rest of the Lannisters are above just unjust punishment. It's not like he thought True. that nothing was going to happen. He's supremely lucky that that Jamie's trying to turn over this new leaf right now. True. You know. Yeah. Otherwise, this ubilet you called it. I'm going to read this. I don't quote. know what that is, but I just said the word aloud. You showed me the word. I was like, this, Maybe is, this the, is how you say it. It's that torture box. I'll read mm. it. Uh, fish swim, even black ones, Edmer, Edmer smiled. First off, all right, <laughs> you don't have to smile at him, though. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. I mean, I'd be proud of my uncle for doing that. He just swam down the river. That's like, true. Yeah. You're it. right. It's not like he made him do it. That's so my I uncle. would smile, too. You're right. <laughs> You're right. That's un- my uncle. That's your uncle, <laughs> That's Zach. my uncle, That's too. Uncle. That's my uncle, too. I'm proud of him. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Jamie was sorely tempted to crack him across the mouth with his golden hand. So he's using the golden hand to his advantage. Right? And he's like, this is gold, motherfucker. This is harder than my normal hand. This <laughs> yeah. is going to hurt. A few missing teeth would put an end to his smiles. For a man who was going to spend the rest of his life a prisoner, Edmer was entirely too pleased with himself. Jamie says, We have ubelets beneath the casterly rock that fit a man as tight as a suit of armor. That's tight. You can't turn in them or sit or reach down to your feet when the rats start gnawing at your toes. I'm going to add in or wipe your ass. Would you care to reconsider that answer? Lord Edmure's smile went away. And then he says, you gave me your word that I would be uh, treated honorably as befits my rank. And then uh, Jamie says, so you shall. Nobler knights than you have died whimpering in those ubelets and many a high lord too. Even a king or two, if I recall my history. Your wife can have the one beside you if you like. I would not want to part you. And all of a sudden, Jamie, that pushed Bran out of the window, is right back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, a yeah. Sh- in a shadow version of himself. Yeah. I mean, like, he's someone that we relate to in a lot of levels when it comes to, like, treating people in a fair manner, it seems like, in the past couple books. And um, maybe that shouldn't be, like, an impressive thing, but that's kind of, like, how all people should be, hopefully. It's like base level, kind of. Right. Yeah. But it's been like that for a while, even among a lot of the hardship. Like, even at the first half of him learning about the Blackfish escaping. But right now he's like, dude, don't smile about it, though, because I might put you in this crazy torture chamber with your wife and your unborn kid. So what do you think? 
So there's still that. So there's still some edge to him. There's still some there's still some uh, potential for him to don a Valyrian spike and kill some White Walkers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or like a Valyrian, Valyrian blade at the end of his stump or something. What do you think? You think it's going to be a spike or a, a, a knife? <laughs> I haven't thought this through. Yeah, but now that you're just like obsidian. Now that you bring it up, now I'm just thinking of like fucking what was it? I want to. Is it Evil Dead or Army of the Dead? <laughs> oh, I love all of it. House of the Dead. Yeah, the, the, all of it. He just is like he replaces his hand, right, with a with like a chainsaw or something. <sighs> I don't know enough about Evil, evil Dead. Uh, I, I, feel really I don't bad remember about which this. one it is, but it, I don't know some some sort of blade. Imagine imagine that, but Valyrian. The only thing I know about Evil Dead is the promiscuous tree that's all i remember oh my god clearly it's like the most interesting part of it but anyway valerian spike that's crazy it could be a thing i mean what if he just touches what if he doesn't even make a spike what if he just makes like a valerian hand and he just like touches them touches the white walkers that would be so awesome that would be awesome or he could just bitch yeah. slap them and just yeah. shatter them into yeah. pieces it just them. Yeah. Yeah. So it has like a, maybe it's like a middle finger. It's made to the middle yeah. finger. He just flips them off. And like, it's like Sauron. He just like blankets of them, just like, just destroy them once. Anyway, Jamie's still pretty tough, <laughs> anyway. is what I'm trying to say. After the trouble Sir Brendan took to leave us, I doubt that he'll come skulking back unless it is at the head of a band of outlaws. Hmm. He did not doubt that Brendan Blackfish meant to continue the fight. In a band of outlaws, hmm? Yeah, I've heard of some outlaws that are skulking around Nocturne Alley. I've never heard of these outlaws in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some familial ties. So Thomas Sevenstrange is uh, there. He's uh, their bard. And I'm going to skip right to the meat of this. What do you guys make of that? I mean, obviously, he's the guy who's been piping everyone with the information as far as the Lady Stoneheart crew, as far as uh, where Merit Frey's headed. Where Ryman Frey's headed, presumably with the crown. I think that's exactly it. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> just, just laid it all out. Laid it all yeah. out there. Yeah. there there's not it. much. So, yeah, what are your opinions on the, on the truth, guys? That's how you podcast, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess like the only question we could ask is like, what his motivation, like personal motivation, is to be in that situation, and it's probably not really necessarily anything. But he's probably like. But that's what he's when doing. Kingsman, yeah, yeah. He's just like, this is my gang, and I'm in it. Ballsy thing to do, though. Is it? Don't you think to put yourself right in the midst of danger and to have your your weapon be like how high you can sing? Doesn't he's like, I can't sing as good as that other guy, but I'm trying to stick around. I mean, he's a bard. He's a singer. Like the whole thing is like he's good at lying because so in Dungeons and Dragons, mm. which George R. R. Martin has lots of experience playing. Mm. Obviously, Thomas Seven Strings has a high charisma stat. Yeah. And therefore, every time he rolls for deception, he's like, he's he's got it made. Mm-hmm. Even against someone as like discerning as Jamie Lannister here at the end. Sometimes the rolls work that way. Wow. Also, he's a bard, so he can just fade into the background. Also like, true. People are just going to be able to have conversations with this guy playing music in the back. You can overhear anything i'm sure it's a super like lucrative business to be a spy when you're in that position so many people are going to dismiss who you are so especially all this changing the guard stuff and like putting edward tully up on a yeah Mm -hmm. like i want to hang him today maybe everybody yeah checking out the bards probably that much for sure so this is like a, a really like hellish situation for everyone to be in although it seems like jamie's coming out on top he didn't have to kill someone he really respected 
I know he's mad about him True. escaping, but don't you think that somewhere deep down he's stoked about the blackfish like not being killed? Well, he says at a point near the end of the chapter where he says he's feeling curiously content. The mm. war was all but one. And it says, let me actually find it specifically and read it because he talks about wanting to get back to King's Landing and Tommen ruling and needing to find blackfish before he gets back, but that he was feeling like they were on the upswing in terms of this war that had been going on. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, still, he felt curiously content. There's also going on. Still, he felt curiously content. The war was all but won. Dragonstone had fallen and Storm's End would suit enough. He could not doubt and Stannis was welcome to the wall. The Northmen would love him no more than the Stormlords had. If Bruce Bolton did not destroy him, Winterwood goes on and on. And he had done his own part here at River Run without actually, as you're saying, ever taking up arms against Starks or Tullys, which is a huge victory in and of itself. Once he found the Blackfish, he would be free to return to King's Landing where he belonged. My place is with King, with my son. Would Tom want to know that? The truth could cost the boy his throne. So I think that he feels pretty optimistic about his position because he was able to fulfill all of his different oaths and <laughs> promises and duties all at once in a very sticky situation. And I I mean, I know that he lost Blackfish, but... It's just a guy. He's just a guy. I don't know. I think that things could have been much, much, much worse. It's kind of like the Miranese stuff and like whatever mm. whatever they're trying to save over there. It's like, man, eh, we're yeah. not going to be there much longer probably. It's like at the end of this chapter um, when he realizes that winter is so swiftly approaching, it's like you're going to hold this place for an X amount of time. Like there's, there's momentum in this world that's beyond all these petty squabbles. And that's right. been part yeah. of the backbone of the story for such a long time. But it's coming to a head when there's snow falling in River Run, you know, big yeah. pieces of snow, big mm-hmm. ones. He stepped on it was like, did I just – you know, step on someone like leave like a like someone's dog piss on the floor or something. Is that what this? Well, is? there's snowflakes falling on the note that he gets from Cersei. Mm. I mean, that I felt That's like that that passage in and of itself was super. Um, one of those ones that you want to like write on a note card and put on your wall. It's just get a couple him. of those in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know Jamie's note, and then we get does my lord wish to answer? The maester asked after a long silence. A snowflake landed on the letter as it melted. The ink began to blur. It's just such a beautiful yeah. description of, you know, not only his feelings in the matter, but just the atmosphere, as you talked the about, world. the weather the world. and what's actually going, this overarching idea of, like, what's actually happening versus what truly matters versus, like, what's going on in drama that is just going to be all pushed aside once we get to the real battle. And so I just thought that was really beautifully put. I feel like everyone needs a pee, but there's a few more things that I want to talk about before we go. <laughs> I can tell. I can see in your eyes. Right? My eyes are floating. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I was also thinking, um, did you want me to just write you random letters that say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Only if you do it three you, times. You, you can like put them all up on your wall. Please. You got some wall space there. There's yeah, you do. Room. I there's do have a lot of wall space. There's a lot of room for me to say I love you several times. Yes. <laughs> you got kind of like a Hogwarts portrait thing going on almost. Mm-hmm. Except, you know, less faces, but the amount of photos would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I have a gallery wall. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> like That's what cra- it is. <laughs> That's not like a crazy thing to but have in a house. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> anyway, back to the subject of hand. <laughs> Sybil Westerling slash Spicer with uh, the plan with Tywin and you know, Jane Westerling oh and, gosh, and the yeah. moon tea and all the yeah. complications there. Um, do you guys think that the 
like I guess the bureaucracy that Jamie's handling on behalf of the Lannisters because someone has to because Tywin's dead and he's the guy that's there. Do you? But guys, Tywin is still, as he says, kind of like moving the pieces. Still moving these pieces. First off, side question: How much do you think she's making up about what Tywin promised? Oh, her? at least oh, like half of it, right? I haven't actually thought that. Yeah, yeah I think she's. Just I think she's being it. real in the beginning. Like I yeah. think her first couple asks are pretty real, but then she like starts to ask more and more and, and more. And he said, and more. "I get like a free cask of Arbor Gold every week too, yeah, or exactly. some crazy thing." I started, like, for her, on, but you're she right. Doesn't really have anything you're to right. Lose. I mean, she did some pretty important things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she kept the young wolf from fathering a child, which is a pretty big deal. Oh, Jane Westerling in this chapter just broke my dang heart. Yeah, she's yeah. really upset about the whole situation. As she rips her cloak, I'm just like, wow. She's like, it was my crown. Yeah. She was so in love. I was like, oh, man, I've been a surly, brokenhearted teen once, too. I was a queen. I was like, that, that boy did not care as much about you as you did about him. <laughs> but I respect the feelings that you had, right. Jane Westerling. Oh. You know what I mean? It's funny to hear Jamie's description of her. He's like, she's pretty, but she's not worth losing <laughs> kingdoms over. <laughs> she's kind of nice, but pretty enough for a child, but not not a girl to lose a kingdom for. There had to be some there, guys. It was love, you know? She couldn't have been lust. Come on. Love, right? They were 16. They okay. don't know anything. You're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Let's just trust Tommen to... Guard the realms of men, everybody. What do you guys think? <laughs> he's not really guarding anything. <laughs> he's just going to make all his stamps and he's going to make everything yeah. good. Um, do you think it's going to matter in the story? Like any of that will unfold and inform any I think pieces? there's, I don't know. I think there's something interesting. Like you were talking about Tywin and I was like, damn, Tywin just didn't give a shit about any of his allies. Mm, no. Because like you were saying, um. Sybil Spicer was promised all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we find out this is the chapter where we find out, like, oh, the entire time Jane Westerling was a plant from her mother. Like, Jane, we see, obviously wasn't complicit in it. Right. She, like, seems to have really been into Rob. And I mean, like, can you blame her? If he looked like Richard Madden, like, can you blame <laughs> I her? I just saw a picture of him recently and I realized how handsome he was. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Love that guy. It's like more handsome than other people. Yeah. Like most other people. <laughs> more handsome than other people. <laughs> but like, everyone okay. talks about Jon Snow being the guy and it's yeah, like, that's because no, no, Rob's no, no, dead, no. y'all. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I'm so, yeah, I'm right? so right there. <laughs> Game, of Game of Bones. Game of Bones, I guess. I yeah, we're Rob Stark girls over here so he's just Richard got like Madden. a like sort of like a perfect deal right i mean he's like obviously like way older than i guess rob stark would have been like i'm not like trying to like do anything with 16 year olds that are like idiots and children i get it i but, get it yeah, but like you richard, said richard madden but richard yeah. madden yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> richard madden's playing a man with gray hair and like the fucking what is it the medici's all right it's oh, different. So he, he's totally good then anyway. really he's doing medici's he was in that. Yeah, I didn't watch that. I just read the Da Vinci biography, and so like they're all over it. Anyway, he's he's like a prominent role in that. Um, it's on Netflix. Very interesting. I wonder if he was painted nude. <laughs> <laughs> they did a lot of nude paintings back then. Oh my god, this is like quickly spiraling. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, sorry, sorry. So 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 Sybil Spicer, and then um yeah, she was in cahoots with Tywin this entire time, and she's basically like pimping out her daughter to rob stark to bring about his downfall but she's like the only other person like who was on this part of the plan who knew this because as we find out walder frey was not because mm -hmm. she's all like yeah. so what about my son reynold yep. and then yep. jamie's like hmm that's a great question yep. because i don't walder frey i don't think was informed of this plan at all and like tywin intentionally would not have let 
Walder Frey in on this part of the plan because for Walder Frey's response to be as severe as it was in regards to the Red Wedding, he had to have legitimate feelings of spite. Mm-hmm. He had to have those legitimate feelings of being offended by Rob eschewing this Frey alliance for this Westerling girl. And that just shows you how much Tywin just didn't give a shit. And that means including like the sacrifice, not sacrifice, but like he just saw Reynold Welshling. He's like, I don't give a shit about that boy. He's just a casualty in my plans. And which is interesting because I feel like Tywin is so often, especially like in my view and conversation, boiled down into this mastermind of being able to kind of like manipulate situations and really set his family up for success. But when that's like a, such a watered down version of like the I knew shit of it all. I don't know. Yeah. So this was like a big plan too. This wasn't a side plan. Right. Yeah. He put a lot at stake on this. He was winning the war or trying to win the war through letters, as we see. Um, Cersei visiting, Tyrion visiting. Yeah. In a clash. Or, or like Otto. I'm going back to Fire and Blood. Otto Hightower <laughs> trying to do, and then Aegon the Second was like, "Fuck that. We need blood." And like brings out his brother Aemon the second that was the, not Aemon the second Aemon that was stupid but Otto Hightower was trying to do that but um, that that had nothing to do with anything sorry but that's the connection I mean... that's the connection that I saw we've had I've had no dinner <laughs> I ate, I ate, last time I ate it was like 9am oh, oh Jesus no. alright great Otto Hightower R.I.P. I think the last piece of this chapter that we really need to dive into, in my humble opinion, I'm interested to hear what you say. Go is on. Jamie's dream at the end? Oh, I mean, oh, yes, I was going to mention Ellen Payne too, but yeah, the dream's oh, good. Oh yeah, let's also Ellen Payne. We could, yeah, and then are we coming back to the letter? Editor? We go to the dream. Yeah, we go to all the, the dream. Things. Yeah, I think that I think the Ellen Payne thing is yeah. something that we could just mention as being a great moment. That's pretty much all I wanted to say. Um, but I think that for like five minutes, go on. I think that this dream is interesting, and we can probably dissect it much more eloquently or like much longer but it is interesting and i'm curious to hear what you guys' thoughts are on it i thought that jamie lannister uh has come face to face with a lot of facts recently and that uh this has been a transformative chapter for him we all dream of things we cannot have. Mm. That's better. That was a good. That was a good quote. A Tywin dreamed his son would be a great knight, that his daughter would be a queen. Da, 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 da. I am a knight, and Cersei is a queen. A tear rolls down the woman's cheek, and she leaves. And yet, what you, was this like a real? Yeah, like, do we think that this is something that has already happened, or it's like a prophecy of what's eventually the fate of Cersei and Jaime? Is there to me it sounds like a uh jamie's been coming face to face with the truth a lot lately and he learned a lot about who he was when he came face to face with the blackfish recently Mm -hmm. and about where he stood among men which is what he's been trying to figure out this whole time because he never really stood where he wanted to with his father because his father reserves that for no one his father just really gave that to no one that was a really interesting insight into how he governed his family as a father and mm-hmm. how he restricted the idea of anyone like taking light of themselves. And uh, he hated the idea of being laughed at. And I think that mm-hmm. that makes me understand his relationship with Tyrion so much more. And Tyrion was the kind of guy that would do triple backflips and do cartwheels across the table and make like extended family laugh. Tywin had a different idea of what was acceptable at that time. And, uh, 
it, it makes me understand uh, his relationship with his son more and uh, also with Cersei more. And uh, they're uh, sort of like cloistered upbringing and uh, the restrictions based off of not wanting to let down someone that they've respected so much because at the same time, he was someone that was giving them so much and they were smart enough to realize that and they didn't want to let him down. And they you know, developed in some really, I would say, like harrowing ways. I don't know if that's the right word, but they developed in some ways that their mother would not be proud of. And I think that that if she would have been there, that there would have been some balance in their family. You know, I think that that had a lot to do with the tear. I think mm -hmm. that she would be proud, but I think that the point is not rising to the idea of like what your zenith like could be ego wise. Like everyone regards you a certain way. Like, and I think that a lot of really wise people know that and a lot of really dumb people like me don't know that very well until they hear like wise people talk about it in books a whole lot. But a mother of those two Lannister children more married to Tywin Lannister more than likely like knew those things. And it could have been helpful for those, those kids to have someone like that around to sort of guide them on the right path. It's not just about the title. It's about the person that you are within it. Mm -hmm. I think that Jamie's learning that now and that's why he throws the letter in the fire. Yeah. It's hard, but He's trying to do things for real, yeah. you know? What you're saying connects back to what he was talking about because you also brought up his conversations with Ellen Payne. He keeps coming back to like, well, this fucking person in the book of, well, what is the name of this book? I don't know. The, the White book. book? Yeah, the White Book did X thing and this other person did X thing. And he's just trying to live up to that. I, I think that... It's fine for Joanna to be sad, but also it's not, I mean, even if someone's a single parent at the same time, it's still like their responsibility to take care of like their right. kids. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. This is a tinfoily question I'm going to throw out there, but is it interesting that Joanna says Tywin dreamed that his son would be a great knight and his daughter would be like, I don't know, X, like insert adjectives here, something queen, but she doesn't mention anything about what Tyrion would have been. Yeah. Because would Tywin not have dreamed regardless of whatever, like Tyrion would have been a great lord or whatever. You mean I don't Jamie think he... in that moment or uh, her, the mom? Just Joanna doesn't bring it up. Do you think it might it's be a real dream. she died giving birth to him so she didn't have time to like formulate mm. opinions or? That's true. Or it's just idea of how yeah. or Tyrion is viewed as in the Less family is yeah. yeah somebody who's not really yeah. one of their true siblings for whatever that'd be a really reason. interesting interesting question to ask george r. r martin when this is all over like if is it just like jamie's mind having a dream so he's like processing the things that are real into like a more figurative nature or is this more of like a, a figurative message from the ether like ned gets or something i just think that if it were jamie processing his own subconscious Tyrion would have been in it because we see from Tyrion's subconscious that yeah jamie, jamie manifests to, yeah. so often yeah. in his dreams he's he dreams of himself as something like uh i want to say it was male or blackfire or something like that and he's like has two heads and one of them is crying when he's fighting against jamie yeah and jamie doesn't have dreams like that about Tyrion or not with joanna in them right one I mean, J Tyrion is in 
Jamie's subconscious, though, as he, like, yeah. often thinks about, like, what would Tyrion have maybe done in this type of situation or mm-hmm. what kind of joke would he have maybe made? So, Did he make yeah, a Tyrion-like reference, like, choking someone out with their necklace in this chapter? He did. Yeah, he yes, did. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. It was yeah. like Sybil regarding her seashell yeah. necklace. Yeah. There yes. you go. Yeah. Let me, just let me choke you out. It's like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So that's an interesting point, I think, when it comes to if this was Jamie's like, own self-manifestation, somebody like Tyrion would... So absolutely be in it what does it mean though like you asked the question like what do you think that know. that can mean you just like i, I see what you're saying I mean, like, throw it out there yeah i like to throw things out there yeah that's good yeah, i mean the winter winter is coming out next week right the 20- so, uh, yeah the next 20- week everybody next week <sighs> wow uh well okay let's do ohms let's do that let's uh i just want to talk about the ellen Payne thing really quick i know i'm kind of yeah. doing it out of order but uh that's what i want to get my own too I loved that so much. It was just like, I've really enjoyed those those times that he's had. And uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Awesome. That night. More owns have come in. Oh, awesome. Perfect. We tweeted it not too long ago. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for writing us quickly because we're afraid we weren't going to be able to read any. Now that that's out, let's read this. That night, he and Sir Ellen fought for three hours. It was one of his better nights. If they had been in earnest, pain would have only killed him twice. Half a dozen deaths were more the rule, and some nights were worse than that. If I keep at this for another year, I might be as good as Peck, Jamie declared. And Sir Ellen made that clacking sound meant that meant he was amused. Come, let's drink some more of Tully's good red wine. That's a really warm moment for me, first <laughs> mm-hmm. off. I'm like, let's please hang out with Ellen Payne and... Drink some of Hostertelli's good wine. Wine had become part of their nightly ritual. Sir Ellen had made the perfect drinking companion. He never interrupted, never disagreed, never complained or asked for favors or told long, pointless stories. All he did was drink and listen. I should have the tongues removed from all of my friends, said Euron Greyjoy. No, sorry. Said Jamie (laughs) as he filled their cups. And from my kin as well. A silent Cersei would be sweet, though I'd miss her tongue when we kissed. He drank. I don't think I need to say any more. So it's all out in the open right now with the boys just sword fighting. He really leaves it out in the open. Oh, with yeah. Him. yeah. He invites him just to make fun of him for mm-hmm. having sex with his sister on a regular basis. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. I love, I love their you, little. I love you. I love you. I love you three <laughs> times forever. Three I times? love their little dynamic. Twice. All right. Also, what's our own owns? Own to Brandon Blackfish for escaping too. Yeah, but we're that's not. To, yeah, are we at owns yet? Oh wait, is that that own? Yeah, I was like, uh, that's is my, that your own? Yeah, it's my Ellen Payne, uh, oh, okay, Jamie, cool. Jamie chapter. Wait, own, I yeah. can I was wanted that to be my own. Oh, you can you can own whatever you like. Cool, Jeez. I'm right. We're I'm, in your house after all. That's my own. We too. are in your yeah, house. Thank you for having us. That's my own too. <laughs> for the Jamie chapter. And thanks for giving us all of your. Do you have a whole drawer of refreshments? And thanks for I just like have free a access whole drawer to of that. Diet soda. Yeah, right on. My owns for both when this opens is um I want to give an own. To both the Watts in uh, Cersei and Jamie. So we got two singers. They're both named Watt. W-A-T Watt. <laughs> and the Watt in the Cersei chapter is the Blue Bard who's being tortured. And the Watt in the um, Jamie chapter is Watt White Smile. Who's, I guess, a singer in the employ of House Lannister. But I just think it's so funny that both of them are singers named Watt. What? Name Watt. <laughs> and, like, these chapters are right one after the other. The other, I think, I don't think it's like on accident. Not necessarily. I don't know if it means anything so much as like, hey, well, this is funny, right? Yeah. But that's where my own goes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Nice. What? Nice. It's like the the way they spell it, like when you're playing RuneScape or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like definitely say that too. Sometimes they say something. I'm like, what? What? It's like the insolent what. It's like mm-hmm. you know you can give them attitude because they deserve it. Mm-hmm. What? What? So. 
I'm going to give my own in the Cersei chapter to Marjorie Tyrell, mm. who's out there doing work. She is. And I love that about her. That even though her whole family is out there doing work, she in a like she on her own by herself is in charge of her own fate as much as she possibly can. I love that about her. So own to Marjorie. She deserves it. Yeah, she does. Uh okay, then I'll just say this. This is a great way to transition. <laughs> um, and what do we think for the Cersei? Ten chapter, Cersei's final chapter. Wait, oh shit! I what, just are you are doing? what are you doing? <laughs> what are you just saying? Your own. We Thank already you. said our Thank own. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus. Zachary. I'm is fucked. that even your real name? Yes, it is. Zachariah. That's Zachary is my name. Yeah. Zacharia. I'll take Zacharia. I'm like from Doran, though. That's my name, right? <laughs> or or Arya plus Zach. That's true. I was thinking of like, uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, my own for the Cersei chapter goes to the High Sparrow for saying no. Mm. He just goes, no. <laughs> it echoes. The, no, 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 no. I don't think she's ever heard that word before in a serious way. But I'm sure she has. That's a silly thing to say, but not like that. Not like that. So those are our owns. <laughs> And it's time to read all of yours. Let's do it. All right. So for our first set of owns comes from Heathen King, a.k.a. Grant. <laughs> and he has owns for both the Cersei and Jamie chapters. He goes, own for the Cersei chapter goes to the Bastard of Driftmark, who got himself a new fleet, fleet, fleet. He says that three times, just like I love you. <laughs> he says, hashtag get them ships. Oh, yeah. And then next, he says, own for the Jamie chapter goes to Sir Reynold Westerling, the Seashell Knight. That's in all caps, so I wanted to emphasize that. And Complete Badass, who released Grey Wind on the phrase and probably escaped and survived the Red Wedding. I mean, he's basically Batman. And then he also, uh, I recommend checking out this tweet because he posts an artwork from San Rixian of Sir Reynold. Oh, that is such a good own. I forgot that Reynold did that. I mean, when I read that, and I read that he basically put himself in harm's way to yeah. to defend the animal, I was like, okay, I like you. Yeah, the other, the Westerlings who are not Sybil. And from Beauty Brienne on Twitter, this may be too soon to source both of your own. We apologize ahead of time for that. Cersei own goes to Septus Cholera for making it through life with a name that sounds like a spinal affliction. That's really good. <laughs> <I thought actually. laughs> Jamie gets his own for, oh, the Jamie owns in here. Jamie gets his own for treating Cersei's plea for her life like a forwarded political email from your grandpa. Ooh. Hashtag deleted. These are good. Can I read two owns in a row? Here we go. Go for it. It's your house. <laughs> at P94 at home says, oh, wow, these are some of the best chapters in the series for me. Talking about the Brienne chapter from last episode and the Cersei chapter coming up, which amen to that. And then we've got Jerry from Mayo who says, Cersei owned the High Septon. He totally outmaneuvers Cersei, having her come willingly to the Sept, walk into his trap, and then snapping it shut. Secondary own to... <sighs> <laughs> say it oh say it who is it secondary own to um i don't know how to pronounce this name orain <laughs> waters yeah <laughs> <laughs> the last name is literally waters it's waters you're, you're like 70 percent 
Podcast. You made me more than I hate that. This podcast <laughs> I'm sorry. I We're gonna put. <laughs> <laughs> we like teamed up on it. Like you don't want to say water. <laughs> water is that thing that we need. Yeah, I like water. It's really good. <laughs> Ariane, wait. Ariane. Ariane. It's like a. I think it's Aurain. It's like an Auror. Yeah, yeah, like Harry an Potter, or, yeah. Horror, but, but Aine. Aine. Got it, got it. Thank you. See, I that was see nice. Hannah. That was nice. That was nice. We had a translator. I was like, a moment. Uh, I did it. It's like light at the end of a tunnel. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> That's how you do it. Secondary own to Orane Waters, who harnesses Cersei's gullibility to get himself a whole fleet of ships paid for by the already heavily indebted crown. Here's an own from Jonquil Dark. On Twitter, Cersei Owen goes to Tyane and Merriweather for making it out before everyone went pear-shaped. Jamie owned Sir Desmond Grell and Sir Robin Riger for choosing to take the black. Hopefully, what they know will come up in T-Wow. And our final own from Amy Anderson on email. Thanks for sending your own to us, Amy. She writes, for the Cersei chapter, my own goes to the High Septon for getting to the truth and taking Cersei down. He saw right through Sir Osney Kettleblack. She wrote that with the Z, and I approve. It looks very interesting. Sir Osney Kettleblack. Then he walked Cersei right into his own cell to hear him confess which queen he really slept with. Hashtag Shifty Septon. And there we have it. Almost the last chapters of A Feast for Crows. Thanks for sending in your owns, everyone, especially on such a short notice. We really appreciate that. And to all of you who sent your owns in uh, back in 2K18 when we were maybe going to do the Brienne chapter and the Cersei chapter together. I'm really glad it turned out this way. Yeah, it worked out really nicely. If you want to send in your owns next time, for the next time you record, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, both of them at Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. Our next chapter is Daenerys 7 and maybe John 9. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll let you guys know on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. You can go to afeastofdragons.com. And if you look at the reading order, I mean, we've got one A Feast for Crows chapter left. It's pretty wild. So if you haven't gone to look at the reading order and if you've just read based off of owns as they come in or things like that you can head to a feast with dragons.com and check that out eliana thank you so much for coming on this episode <laughs> i know <laughs> i just you really so did much. go to the bathroom yeah, me yeah. too <laughs> me <laughs> too <laughs> so who gets to go first is the real question so wait before you go pee will you please tell us where everybody can find you please plug all of your outlets well the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) and yeah so you can find me on the maester monthly podcast where we talk about the greatest latest hits hot takes etc from the song of ice and fire subreddit where you can also find me as glass table girl and of course you can find me every week on the girls gone canon podcast where we are doing a character reread and maybe you'll find me as arithmetic on twitter i'm not gonna spell that good luck <laughs> it's fun it's uh, hang out you can find us. her on our we can like retweet your stuff so whatever eliana it's kind of fun sometimes we spelled that thing the last time you were on it's a trivia it's a hard word to spell yeah um, thanks for having me over. I love hanging out with you guys. Brother. It's really, really fun, like recording too. or not. Yeah, it's awesome. I feel like this recording session, we kind of forgot we were recording half the time. And thanks to everybody for listening. The season eight hype train continues. Night.